Before this episode begins, make sure that if you haven't already, sign up on our website at quantumresearch.co.uk. Today's episode of the Quantum Cast continues the last episode about economies of scale. Well, today we're going to be talking about diseconomies of scale. And if we have time, we'll get on to external economies of scale. If not, that will be the topic of the next episode. Okay, so we've mentioned that economies of scale are when a business gets larger and they are able to get lower costs of production because of their size, basically. So diseconomies of scale are when they get too large to the point where their costs or more so their average costs actually begin to rise. It gets expensive. You can't take up a certain amount of the market and reduce your costs. You don't have economies of scale. You in fact have diseconomies of scale. So when we go back to the graph drawing of the U, where it comes down, the price or the average cost of production for a firm, the long run average cost becomes cheaper and cheaper until you get to a minimum efficient scale of which you get constant returns of scale, where the cost of production is constant, but it is at its minimum point. When the curve starts to go upwards to the right-hand side of the U-shape, then that's when you have diseconomies of scale because the costs of production start to rise. In other words, as a firm grows in size, it becomes more and more difficult for management to keep in control of the activities of the organization. And there are many different ways of dealing with this problem. Some companies actually choose to centralize their operation with a small, tightly knit team controlling all of their activities. Sometimes a single charismatic figure, often the founder of the company, will keep tight control of all major decisions. In other companies, management is decentralized. So they have many small subsidiary companies. Subsidiary basically means small companies that are part of the larger one, part of a quote unquote parent company, but they are more so making localized decisions that will help the business in the long run because they'll understand their market further instead of just having all of the decisions made at the central HQ or high ranked officials that may not be capable of making those decisions, understanding the consumer trends or preferences at that point in time. So we talked about subsidiary companies making decisions about their parts of the business and the head office will only be making those decisions which affect the whole group. That's a decentralized management structure. One thing we should also note is that controlling an organization that might employ thousands of workers is not actually that easy. And there may be a point where no management team could prevent average costs from rising. Geography as well would actually lead to higher average costs. If a firm has to transport goods, so like finished goods or raw materials over long distances because it is so large, then average costs may rise. Head office also may find it far more difficult to control costs in an organization a thousand miles away from uh, being one on its doorstep. So if you've got business on your doorstep, you can control costs. Let's give an example. You have an office. Let's just say, I don't know, we've talked about Vipay. Vipay's offices, for example, they must have certain costs, costs of staff, whatever. And they can control those costs because they have the staff in front of them. But if we look at those who outsource a lot of their production. Yes, they are getting cheaper production costs, so lower long run average costs, but the problem is if they can cut, 
they won't be able to find out because these micromanagers may be acting in their own interests. And we'll come to that another time, but that's under something called the principal agent problem. The principal agent problem is basically when managers and directors, business peeps basically act in their own interests and it isn't the same interest that the company holds. And you have a problem there, you have a conflict of interest. The management may just want to make their money and do everything quickly to a low standard. If they do such a thing, then the business may not perform so well, so highly. A business may actually have issues with liquidity in the future if they are trying to save costs, but then a management incentive scheme just goes through the roof and business people are taking all the funds and the business actually is being rinsed from the inside to the point where it is dry and wouldn't be able to last any longer. It would be a dying business. We don't want that to happen. So the principal agent problem is something that we should be aware of a lot of the time. Managers acting in their own self-interest. That is a horrible thing that destroys a lot of businesses these days, especially those that hire their own businesses. We could give an example of Metro Bank's previous chairman, Vernon Hill, had a contract with his wife's company, a subsidiary company of theirs, and they paid 30 million for interior design. I mean, their interior design's decent, but 30 million to your wife, that's crazy. It's almost funneling money, but it was legal. That obviously now isn't happening anymore because the press had uncovered it. But 30 million, wow, amazing. Absolutely amazing stuff. But it was a result of the principal agent problem. So the business actually suffered because they probably could have been getting cheaper stuff, better quality stuff, not just for the sake of that, oh, it's the founder's wife kind of thing. Okay, so now we're gonna look at the long run average cost curve being a boundary. It basically represents the minimum level of average costs attainable at any given level of output. So imagine a curve that's going down, let's just say a U, but not a complete U. It goes down, starts to curve round, gets flat and then starts to curve up, but not completely. Just imagine that, just part of a long run average cost curve, the majority of it, right? Anything above that is attainable. Anything below is unattainable because you can't have a minimum efficient scale lower than your minimum efficient scale, assuming all things constant. Let's give an example. If you have a graph and let's just draw you and you have your minimum efficient scale labeled as A, that point right there, if you have production costs below there, it wouldn't make sense because that is your minimum efficient scale. Unless say a couple of variables came into play and I don't know, the company had a major switch or a major shift in uh, their cost structure maybe. They uh, switched a supplier, outsourced, whatever. That would shift the LRAC obviously downwards. But at the moment we should think only above this long run boundary. So if your long run average costs are above that line, then you are in an attainable field, but it may not be that efficient. Let's just say you have a point A that is above the boundary or within the boundary, but above the line that separates the boundary from a price going below. Then you have production being inefficient. So you'd have to maybe address some issues in your business. You could do something to make sure that you are producing efficiently. So that's it for our quick look at diseconomies of scale. We'll be back tomorrow for another episode where we're going to be looking at external economies of scale. And if we get some time, we can move on, include diseconomies of scale straight after that. 
Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Ryan Keir. And if you haven't already, make sure to sign up at quantumresearch.co.uk. And if you have Twitter, follow us at QuantumCast. And we're also on Instagram at QuantumResearch. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Ryan Keir. Until next time.